Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Premier League. Nice. That was excellent. This is the London is Blue podcast. Your home for the champions of England. Bringing all Chelsea fans together here, near, and far. Hosted by Dan, Nick, and Brandon. We are back, Chelsea fans, with another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by WorldSoccerShop.com. We are live, potting from Kansas City, the three amigos together, traveling to the home of barbecue. And thank you, Nick, for the gracious hospitality so far. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get thanked enough, and I feel like this is a, a key moment in our podcast friendship that... You guys come to my humble city, you eat my humble barbecue, and um, we got to do a live pod together, right, Dan? Yeah, you know, there's definitely been a lot of calories consumed. Mm. You know, I think we've all had a chance to try different types of different sauces, mm. different cuts of meat, um, all go into you know, food comas. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been quite the, quite the weekend. We're recording this after eating the famous Kansas City Joe's Z-Man sandwich, which I think... My friends here can attest is the greatest barbecue sandwich in the whole world. It's definitely up there as the number one on my list of barbecue sandwiches I've had. Uh, even the bread, as soft as it was, was surprisingly delicious. Mm. So there, there it is. If you haven't been to Kansas City, come here. We'll take care of you. 
One thing that we do want to talk about before we jump into the podcast as normal is we did throw up a Patreon. We're not going to go through all the specific details, but if you'd like to take a chance and give us a little maybe kind of monetary contribution, we'd love to, you know, look up figuring out how we can explore and produce more content, whether that's uh, video, whether that's more audio, uh, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our first really quick break. But when we get back, we have so much to talk about for the Burnley match review. Here we go. Hey, Dan. Uh, you know, I think the, the Nike crest polo that Antonio Conte wore to the, to the podium after today's tough loss was still pretty slick. What do you think? Yeah, I gotta love the just do it check mark across it. But, you know, just like that, and other items are available on worldsoccershop.com right now. That polo, $79.99. Yeah, and the home kit, the away kit, all the new Nike stuff, go get it. It's a better site experience than other sites. And, uh, and you'll have fun. Support our show. Boom. All right, Chelsea fans, the opener of the Premier League season came. And we saw what happened. We played Burnley FC, Stamford Bridge on August 12th. This past Saturday, Case you were smart enough to miss it. Chelsea 2, Burnley 3. All right, Dan. Lineup time. It was going to always be different with Moses being suspended. Some injury concerns with Pedro that we didn't know about until after the Community Shield. What did Conte end up doing uh, for our first lineup of the season? Well, no surprise, Thibaut Gortois starts back in goal. Rudiger gets his first appearance for the Blues in the Premier League next to David Luiz and Gary Cahill. Not so fast, though. Aspilicueta deputizes for Moses in the wingback position next to Cesc Fabregas. Also not so fast. N'Golo Conte, Marcus Alonso. And then moving forward, we started with William, Boga, and Batshuayi up top. Uh, and then we got some forced substitutions and then some chosen substitutions. Andres Christensen, Charlie Misanda, and Alvaro Morata all had a chance to come off the bench for the Blues in this match. Nick, huge Boga fan. We have it on record from even a couple years ago. Not the best opportunity, unfortunately, today for the kid. No, I mean, we. I think we were all psyched to see him uh, get a chance to start a match at Stanford Bridge. You know, it kind of felt like a long time coming for a lone player. And unfortunately, um, he only got about 15 minutes on the pitch um, due to reasons that we will get into in, in just one second. Uh, looking at this bench, I just want to kind of run through this quick. I know Dan talked about the subs, but a huge talking point has obviously been squad depth when it comes to Chelsea so far. We had Willy Caballero, uh, Fikeo Tomori, Andreas Christensen, Charlie Musanda, Kyle Scott, Kennedy, and Alvaro Morata. Make of it what you will. Uh, very young, very inexperienced, but hey, you know, Chelsea, hashtag play the youth. That's what we do. I think it was more equivalent to like when you're growing up or when you're like in college and you don't have like a really, really stock pantry and you kind of need to make a meal and going out to the store isn't an option. Um, this is what was left in the cupboard. I don't think there was any intent to try to drive a message or send a message forward to the board or the players. Like, this is just what was available. And some of Chelsea's biggest stars just aren't an option today due to injury. Yeah, I mean, when, when En Hazard is out, when Bakayoko's out, when Pedro's out, you know, your, your squad looks a hell of a lot different than it might otherwise. And, 
uh, you know, it's uh, on the plus side, a really great experience for a guy like Kyle Scott, you know, who's a young player who, you know, is still developing to get a chance to be a part of a Premier League match day. Uh, on the other side, it is an incredibly tough position to be in if you're not comfortable playing him when, say, a certain midfielder goes in for his second, you know, yellow and, and we have to uh, kind of cope without him. So uh, there, there's a lot to be said about that. And we'll get into that, you know, the squad depth thing, the transfer window later. Um this this uh, bench is probably one of the overall most inexperienced I've ever seen at Chelsea, bar none. Not a lot of threats that you're going to pull off that bench, uh, except Morata, who did just that. So goals, as we go ahead and run into it, Nick, uh, for whatever reason, you get to lead this part off this time. And, uh, it's because Dan made the script this time. <laughs> we're, we're not off to a great start, unfortunately, <laughs> this match, were we? No. Uh, you know, the, so there's... A bunch of things to talk about, and we'll get into the Cahill red card and the, and the Sesk red card as we as we go here. But um, Chelsea zero, Burnley one. Sam Volks, who um, is a kind of a lanky big center forward, um, kind of scuffed a shot past Courtois, um, got free on a set piece, and you know our marking has been suspect for a couple of seasons now on set pieces kind of prove that again uh and you know know, we we talked about this at the the pub this morning brandon uh maybe courtois does a little bit better there um to get over but overall it's just kind of a a weird angle for him to to get all the way across to and the ball kind of dribbled into the back of the net yeah my my defense of courtois is that essentially this shot went right inside the post so it is as far wide as possible um, there's also three, four people between him and the shot as well with our defenders and even Vokes as well. A lot of people, though, are absolutely not happy with Courtois on that. I have a little bit more sympathy, but I am probably will just get the goalkeeper sympathist card played at me. And I get it, but I'm just <laughs> saying I've been there. Like, I've done it. I've had shots that when you look back on tape are embarrassingly slow, you might think. But in a game, like getting all the way to the very 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 post is a and a very difficult thing um but as we let's keep it on moving obviously second goal dan uh do we have any love for chelsea yet no love for chelsea stephen ward former wolverhampton player uh left-footed shot it was a peach of a ball too like from a, a neutral perspective it's it's just a great goal center backs really just turned off weren't really paying attention and uh not, not much else to say. You know, Jack Cork assists. Yay. <laughs> All right. Well, unfortunately, to round out the third goal of the first half, Nick. Oi. Yeah. Sam Vokes again. Um, basically left free. It's a free header, and he buried it past Courtois, who, you know, didn't really have time to react. And, you know, that that one is definitely not on Courtois. Um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I think between Marcus Alonso and David Luiz on this one, just couldn't find their man and you know that as we've seen with arsenal in your pa- years past um is some somewhat the danger of zonal marking i mean typically you know last year we'd have a diego costa kind of manning the front of that uh zone that way you know most things couldn't get over him um this year we we haven't haven't had that yet so uh very very poor first half um lots of drama 
you know, fans kind of turning, um, I think, against the referee mainly, but I think against the players for a very lackluster, disjointed performance. And then we, you know, we went live at halftime. You know, we, we don't do that a ton, but, it, you know, it's nice when we're in person just to kind of talk through it. And, you know, it was it was as ugly as the first half as, as we've had in the Premier League in some time, boys. Yeah, Dan, Dan Levine did a nice job of adding on Twitter, too, that the, the booing was, you know, all for the officials and the the scuff that they were deservedly, I think, being provided at the time and that the fans were still cheering uh, quite well for Antonio and then also some of the players, too. Well, halftime came and went. Chelsea somehow started to find their way back into the game. Mishi ended up being subbed off, so when Murata came on, it didn't take him long to keep his hot streak alive. He's now scored on all three of his debuts, uh, including Real Madrid and Juventus, adding Chelsea to the list. A fantastic header uh, from close range. It was a great ball by William. The timing of this run was perfect. Absolutely impeccable. Left the defense dead in the water and... Great header. Uh, definitely looks like midseason form. Once he gets inside the box, the man can finish. And then Nick, even more excitement in the second half. Yeah, this was after Andreas Christensen almost had a goal uh, and Marata touched it offside, which was... It, it, was, uh, it wasn't going to stay in. Yeah. That was going to go out. Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll I, see. I, I'd rather have a striker who goes for it versus a striker who's going to let it watch by and bounce out. I agree. I agree. And I think Morata does really, even more than Diego Costa, play on that onside-offside line uh, and kind of toys around with the defender to make sure that they're on their toes. But um, the second goal was special. Um, so essentially a ball into Alvaro Morata headed backwards. Uh, David Luiz takes it on the volley, nutmegs. Um Heaton from Burnley. Great goal. You know, at that point, there's still about five minutes left in the match, and you're thinking, oh, man, could a, could a then nine-man Chelsea pull out an incredible three-goal comeback in the second half? So with this one as well, if you think about it, Azpilicueta played the ball in from just inside of Burnley's half. So that ball went to the top of the box where Murata was with his back to goal. He flicks it. David Luiz hits it out of the air. That ball didn't hit the ground until it was going between Heaton's legs and then bouncing in. So it traveled almost a full 60 yards without touching the ground before it went in the back of the net. Like, that, to me, is some of those players are just absolutely amazing that that happens. It just showed, Dan, it showed me how committed David Luiz was to getting some respectability back from this match, that he was all the way downfield in that moment, I think, is incredible. And he, you know, just kind of so, sometimes is a leader. You just kind of have to go and, and show everybody else what to do in those moments. Yeah, he, he may have been responsible for some defensive gaffes earlier in the match, and you know, we can you know go into those or not. But you know, ultimately, he he's got the heart of a lion, and he definitely when when provoked, he comes out and puts in some you know championship level. Um, performances and I think today you know he in absence of other leaders um, really stepped up at the end of the match there SP Laqueta also had a busy afternoon as deputy the amount of times that he had to go and complain to Pawson and some different things like that and and try to keep the chaos organized 
quite the busy day. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Right off the bat, we have to talk about maybe not necessarily just Craig Possum, but the state of officiating. I think a lot of it, though, for us surrounds him himself, Dan. Yeah, and I think we want to be very clear. Like, we all looked at it afterwards. We watched a couple of replays of the Cahill tackle and the Fabregas tackle. They they deserved to be handled in the highest way possible. You know, Cahill lunged unnecessarily, had studs up. Fabregas also made a, a very ill-timed tackle and challenge. I think the issue, though, with Pawson is that, you know, he's had – a very, very long list of, of issues and problems. And we kind of went back just to say, oh, hey, you know, we, we everyone's complaining about it. Like, let's actually dive in and see how legitimate is maybe the concern or the amount of problems that he's had refing Premier League matches. And Nick, there, there's a lot of examples probably in the last two years where Pawson has been the culprit on the biggest stage possible and has failed to manage the match appropriately. Right, so we're just gonna dive into a couple of these, and, and we'll rotate on these. But uh, you know, one that sticks out, you know, to a lot of us would be the Arsenal City FA Cup semifinal from last year. Um, there was, you know, a bunch of different, <laughs> a bunch of different uh, pieces here, but there was a no yellow for a challenge on by uh, Gabrielle, who is a notorious kind of tough tackler on um, David Silva, who was forced out. No penalty given to Sergio Aguero for being tripped in the box. Sterling's goal was disallowed. Uh, and no penalty when Sanchez was held back by Novice in the box. I mean, there were... He had such a poor rating for this match um, that, you know, it, it would be a shock to me if he ever refereed an FA Cup match again. Oh, and then you, you think back to December of 2016, the Soak and Leicester game. If you've seen a picture of Eric Peters before and you've seen a photo of Bruno Martins in D <laughs> and place them side by side, they're not two guys you're getting mixed up in a lineup, yet Pawson was able to do that there then too. Well, you remember the, the Gibbs and Oxlade Chamberlain mishap. I mean, that is on a whole different planet. That, <laughs> I mean, come on. How are you going to mistake those two dudes? Brandon, what about the, what about the Palace United match? Classic Marcos Rojo, two-footed, <laughs> flying missile, lunge, tackle. One of his many. This one was on Zaha and essentially goes unpunished. I mean, it was, to be fair, it, it was involved along the streak where Rojo had about three matches in a row he had done this, and he somehow escaped all of them without a red card. This one happened to be on Pawson's watch. Well, and United again. There's a challenge by Seb Larson on Andrew Herrera, who you know we don't we don't like anybody to get injured, but um, you know Andrew Herrera has been a thorn in our side, so you know that's just leave it at that. Um, Seb Larson was accidentally issued a red instead of a yellow, <laughs> and all the referee, all the other referees were very confused by this. So I think in general, I think the point that we want to make on this is that there is a history now, and this is just in the last six months, yeah. essentially, uh, maybe a little bit longer, maybe nine months, but uh, there's a history here of, of very poor refereeing performances by a guy who should be a Premier League standard referee. Now, again, I think after watching the Cahill Challenge today, I can see why it was a red card. I think where I was a, a little bit aggrieved this morning watching it live was... Champions at home, opening day, everyone's feeling good. 
it's that early in the match. I think Marcus Alonso gets a yellow card for his first challenge Correct. in the third minute that was not even close to being a yellow card. And then Brandon made the really good point that if that's the yellow card, if that's the standard, then what Cahill does is absolutely then a red. I mean, it, and it, it's unfortunate that he lost control of the game that early. Yeah, he came in too hard, right? Like, if you're going to run a marathon, you don't sprint out the front gate. Like, you have to keep a pace. Well, Pawson sprinted out the gate. He said, I'm laying down the law right away. I want you guys to know I'm in control. Cautions Alonzo completely unnecessarily. No one is complaining, calling for heads to be rolled. He goes ahead and rolls one. And like you said, the problem now is he's got it in his mind that, all right, that's my standard for a caution. Cahill goes in. It is a hard foul. We've seen it be just cautioned in other matches. But this is above and beyond what happened before. So he has to, you know, he has to judge it based off of what he's already deemed a caution. It drove me nuts. It it was really tough for the players. I was also talking about, like, as a player, sometimes, you know, like, you're already down at that point. Things are going your way. So you try a little bit extra you know, harder, a little extra effort trying to dig yourself out of it. And every time Chelsea tried to like put extra effort into this match, something else went against them. And this was just another one in a succession of a terrible 45 minutes. Well, I think the thing is that also a couple of these players, specifically Cesc Fabregas, should never have been on a first yellow. Correct. I think we've talked about before and the conversation has been, you know, uh, Cesc Fabregas could be a captain for Chelsea. I think if you're going to show that type of dissent to the officials, even if you're upset, even if you're frustrated, even if it's not going your way, uh, there's a reason Dave was wearing the armband for that part of the match and not Cesc Fabregas. And Cesc was not showing any dissent. He was upset and he was frustrated and he was in the face of the official, but it was still at a level that was professional. And, you know, if Sesk, you know, Sesk's challenge probably would have gotten him out of the game anyway. But, you know, why, why put yourself in a position to have to restrain how you're playing? Yeah, I mean, that's what I said this morning, too. I think, I think you know, we've talked about Sesk. He was a captain for Arsenal. I think being a captain for Chelsea is just a different level. Um, you know, there, there is the equation, too, that, you know, sometimes uh, your captain will take a yellow um, you know, much like a manager would, you know, get thrown out of a game just to make a point, right? We're we're being screwed over here. I'm standing up for my squad. I'm gonna do it that way. The problem is he didn't really get his money's worth, right? The the fake clapping at the referee, that's such a dumb yellow. And and it does it leaves you as a midfielder who already has athletic limitations playing you know, as a ten, uh, a ten men side, that you basically can't make another stupid challenge the rest of the game. And guess what? Of course, he did one of his ever long slide tackles that catches, um, you know, a Burnley player high, and and you know he absolutely deserved to be sent off. But that isn't leadership, man. Yeah, like, I, and that's a problem. I think the thing, like to to sum up this piece, is you know, so we we pulled a lot of this comment from you know Keith Hackett, who's a former. Uh, official in the Premier League and writes to the Telegraph and he rated all the Premier League officials on performances last season and Pawson comes in at ninth place and his direct quote in regards to Pawson's performances was if he is to improve then he needs to work hard on his on-field mobility he's guilty of making too many big game errors because he fails to get the appropriate viewing angle a sprint coach would benefit him five out of ten 
And I, I think Five that's, out of ten, that, that's if that's the standard for Premier League officiating, you know, there there's a larger problem at hand and at foot if this is going to be what we can expect in in the games going forward. Well, Brandon, I think Mark Clattenburg even, you know, took a, a even a more harsh angle today by openly disagreeing with a decision that was made by an official saying that Cahill's tackle to him was a yellow. And and it's rare that you would see a referee who's who, you know as a BT Sport or, or Sky Sports commentator, you know, not support their brethren. But I think that he felt like Pawson was so out of out of sync in this match that it was hard for him to even watch. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the the long story short in the sense that Clattenburg said absolutely. He goes, that's a caution. Again, it's not because of the precedent that was already set. You do not often see, whether it's Howard Webb or if it's the guy that's over here in charge of the pro, the referees over here in the MLS who does ESPN FC, they will sound stupid defending an active official before they cross them and Clattenburg didn't really seem to dance around it or try to stick his neck out in defense of it too much so again we just kind of are collecting a lot of information that's been out there and not a long period of time we do feel heavily aggrieved because of the game went uh, it was very lopsided against Chelsea, just in the sense of, like I said, every time the guys tried to put in extra effort, it was rewarded with a foul against them, a card, different things. You can tell by Antonio Conte, he was completely checked out. He wasn't his normal animated self. And that was just something that we had to get through today. And credit to the boys that we did score three times, but both Burnley and Chelsea had offsides goals. So it ends up counting out. 2-3, 9 versus 11 is way more respectable than the 3-0 it was at halftime with 10 people. At the end of the day, though, we are never going to say that that was acceptable. But there was extenuating circumstances. I think that's kind of how we feel in this situation. The other thing we want to talk about on a much, 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 much more positive note is that there were three debuts today. <laughs> We didn't think there were going to be three debuts. We thought there was only going to be two with Rudiger uh, obviously sliding in as the right center back. And then Boga getting the nod with Pedro being injured after, uh, you know, viciously tackling in that community shield. He must have hurt himself on that. Um, but then we saw Alvaro, Alvaro Morata. And then Christensen actually also kind of got another debut in that sense. So we'll call right. it three and a half. Uh, and we want to talk about their contributions. There's uh, some ratings from who scored, Dan. Uh, so just running from top to bottom, um, you know, I guess give us a quick overview of uh, what the the Statos thought. Yeah, Rudiger comes in with a 6.6. Boga comes in with a 6.0, which I don't know how you judge someone on 15 minutes, but it <laughs> seems like it's possible. Fair. <laughs> Murata comes in with a 7.7, which you know feels wholly justified for scoring a goal and assist in a 20-plus minute performance. And then uh, Christensen ends up with a 6.6. So, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, Murata is probably the one that was the most impressive, right? He comes in, we hear stories about the fitness level that he's working to understand the philosophy of football. And he comes in and just shows that when you bring him onto the pitch that he can find a way to influence the game in a very short 
matter of time making angular runs into the box behind players to then give people opportunity. Like what you saw before he came onto the pitch was there was no conduit to Mishi throughout the game at all. Everything had to go to the wings or the side. So, you know, Conte was playing out to William. William was playing back to Sesk. Sesk was playing it back out to the side to, you know, Alonzo. And there was no way of going through the center. We found a way through the center, even against eight stacked in the box with Murata on the pitch. And I, I think, you know, you, you have to be everything, you know, short of blind and, and you know, to think, not think that it was an amazing debut. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that I was most impressed with from Murata is his footwork. He was crowded out by two or three Burnley defenders a lot. I mean, there's you know he's playing on his own up there, Brandon, and there was there was not a ton of room for him to operate when he did get the ball at his feet. But he was able to you know keep defenders at an arm's length and use his you know kind of God given footwork ability to kind of play passes out wide, get himself in a position, scored a great header, had a great assist. Uh, I think really fired up the crowd too at a time where they needed it, um, needed someone to to kind of believe in again. Uh, and, you know, overall, great day. I think maybe even a, a secondary point here would be that Christensen to me was very impressive. He came in in a tough spot. I mean, he's coming in for the captain when the captain gets sent off. Uh, he hasn't seen a ton of time in preseason, just to be fair to him. And now he's expected to mold, you know, with two other players that he's rarely seen uh, pitch time with. And man, you know, I got to be honest, like he he struggled when he first came on, but I think really grew into the game in the second half. Yeah, I think that's natural as well. I mean, Christensen started as the sweeper. So they moved David Luiz out to the left. Christensen played the middle, Rudiger on the right. And then they're like, you know what, maybe not. Maybe we shouldn't do this. Uh, so Louise went back to his normal center, central position. Christensen actually went to the right, and they moved Rudiger all the way to the left. All of this just shows me that we didn't know what we wanted to do with those guys in there. We were not prepared. Those guys have no relationship whatsoever. And it is a very difficult situation for them to be a unit without any kind of chemistry or previous work history together. So I think Christensen held his own quite well. Uh, He stepped um, into attackers, did some good stuff. The things that broke down were just like communication and set pieces, balls in the box, knowing, you know, he's thinking like, should I go get it? Or is that like a David Luiz ball? And that's where things got mixed up and that's completely normal when two guys three guys that have never played before together you know get out there uh but with that all being said and kind of like outside of um the the kind of the debutantes we'd love to see uh or hear from you guys what you guys think were some of the best ones um but overall dan i mean from those boga was cut short Murata came on late in the second half Christensen kind of was thrown in the mix. Rudiger played the full 90. Yeah, I, I think Rudiger, again, there was a lot of calamity going on. And I think, you know, it's re- really hard in, you know, a frenzy to to pick out individual moments of positivity. But I think once we started to settle into the second half, you know, you saw him helping to move the ball forward, had some good distribution, got some distance on his passes. 
And I think that to me is very exciting to have another conduit um, out of the back who can play the ball out. You know, right now we kind of really have relied upon Louise to, to play a longer ball. Uh, Cahill is, is good at it, but you know, you definitely could see that Rudiger has some nice distribution skills that I'm sure, you know, Conte is going to put into work. Obviously, Nick, we, we appreciate it. We don't always love it when it happens because it means it didn't go well, but a player owning the performance that wasn't to the standard level that the fans want and probably expect. Right, and this is from Mishu Batuai, who we haven't mentioned to this point because there was nothing to mention. Um, he, you know, really struggled without kind of a central line uh, to him, uh, especially with some of the passing lanes. Just was pretty absent today, and part of that is not his fault. Part of it is just, you know, the spaces he ran into and, and you know, the runs he made. So uh, he sent out a tweet after the, after the match saying, terrible performance today and a lot of things to work on. I won't hide, but it's just day one, and the journey to the title is long. Uh, flexing emoji, which, you know, I appreciate. Um, but, you know, I think this is, this is key. You know, I think this is something that we do at the podcast too, and, and it's something that, uh, we hope more of our fans, especially the ones that we know on Twitter um, who get really angsty when, when stuff goes wrong, is this is part of life, man. You know, not everything goes your way. And I, I, I respect people who, when things go great, you know, they're the same person. When things go poorly, they're the same person. They stand up. They're accountable. And, you know, I think his next step is just to grow and show that this isn't all talk. You know, and I think, you know, the same thing, too, is when we, you know, we didn't really feel like potting after the match today. I think, you know, this was something we could have held off a little bit. But uh, it's it's important that we talk through this stuff and make sure that, you know, we're all on the same page. And I appreciate Mishi and and hope that uh, he gets back to work. I think there's an interesting point here, though. And I think one of our friends, Clayton Bierman, made the point on Twitter today that, like, there's a difference between. 1516, which you know ha- is in everyone's mind because of narrative similarities right now. It's the similarity to you know a title winning defense and not having players sign and feeling like the board hasn't supported our coach and manager. And there's a lot of this swell of negativity. And as it builds and builds and builds and builds, it's become this all-consuming life and entity unto itself. And at the same time, then you add losing to Burnley at home, which is not in anyone's script of what today would have looked like. You know, that 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 adds to this behemoth of an idea and concept and thought that you're allowing to kind of build in your minds. And Yes, are there things that are concerning? Yes, not acquiring the players before, you know earlier in the window is absolutely a concern and something that should be addressed and changed moving forward. But the difference today in 2017 and 2018 is that these players, down to nine men, continue to fight and almost came back to get a draw. And I actually think those nine players getting to walk off the pitch should be doing nothing but holding their heads high for us making that happen. Because that, to me, wasn't something that was happening in fifteen sixteen. Yeah, there was no quit today. Um, and, and again, like you're going to have days, Brandon, as a former player, where stuff just doesn't go your way. The worst thing, and the thing that you owe the fans at a base level at Chelsea, is your effort. Uh, if your effort drops off, then you are literally providing them nothing. 
And and I think what the fans really appreciated at the end of the match and what they applauded the, the players off who were still there is that not only did they give a full effort, they came back in a big way and, and damn near pulled out a very impressive um, borderline legendary draw at, with Burnley at home. That's how bad stuff was. So, uh, again, I, I, you know, I, I applaud the players just like Dan did, and I do feel like this is way different than 15-16. So everyone just take a breath. A lot of reports that the players like literally collapsed on the field, like Dave and David Luiz, and probably not Angola Conte. Never, he was still running. Yeah, but Alonso. I mean, those guys specifically to me put in super miles this match, and they collapsed because they literally put it all in the line. And I hadn't thought about that, but now you guys kind of frame it like that. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I feel a lot better with the team's response and reaction today than anything I remember from that season I forgot about. Well, it shows you, too, that they are still playing for Antonio Conte. And I think as a team, you know, we saw some of Cahill's comments this week about, hey, you know, we could use some players over here now. That would be great. Um, But I think, you know, they sense when he is – not himself. He didn't look like himself today. I think we can all say that. And th- I think they fought a little bit harder in the second half because he was, you know, he's down. And what do you do as a team? You pick up those who are not, you know, maybe feeling great. And and so I, I was very appreciative of the effort. And I think, you know, there's, there is some positive to take out of this horrible first match. Awesome. Well, I, I want to go ahead and wrap this section up with see if we have any other thoughts on this um, before we move into the main of the match poll. Bringing it back, as always. Love to see that. Um, so what about you, Dan? I mean, anything that maybe we missed that you just want to bring up quick? 37 more games left. Ooh, that's it? That is it. On to the next one. It's a sprint, I hear, Nick. Yeah, we don't really mention N'Golo Conte that much anymore because it, you know, his performance is just so standard that it's and great that it's, it, you know, it's hard to pick out. I will say with nine men, he's still, he was a one man midfield today, one man. And is still covering the same amount of ground, making the same amount of tackles. I'm wearing a shirt right now in solidarity. I love that man. He's fantastic. He uh he was left with more space than normal, and he attempted his shots, which is good to see. Uh, he almost hit one too. Ooh, he had a couple fancy close. footwork at the top of the box a little bit, so we're starting to see a little more from Angolo. He he may have to learn how to rip a couple, especially on those set pieces where he's kind of the lone man at the top of the box. Yeah. If he can hit a couple of those this year, I think it changes the way that teams defend us on of set course. pieces. Yeah, they'll definitely have to. Uh, my last thing, just really really quick, is Sesk can't play in a two-man midfield we know that we were asking him to do something he was wildly uncomfortable he might as well have been playing left wing back and we would have gotten the same kind of 70 percent of his full potential so uh, i know fans are probably going to jump down his throat over everything that went today but honestly i didn't expect him to have a great game because that's not where he thrives uh but with that being said, we did throw a man of the match pull out there. Probably a little bit confusing to some people since the game didn't go the way we wanted. But, I mean, that's just not how we roll, Dan. No, we had 628 votes. 60% said Murata was the man of the match. I concur. 27% though <laughs> said Pawson 
was the man of the match. Number one in your officiating book. He certainly tried to make himself the star of the show today and uh, and probably succeeded, Dan, I think. Yeah, Luis also with uh, 9%, Rudiger with 4%, and a couple of shouts via Twitter for Alonzo as well. So yeah, those are all me. Yeah, those are I, my 17, 18, 19 accounts that I have connected. Though, though Brandon, uh, where, where does that leave the league table as it stands today? Ripped up and thrown on the floor. That is <laughs> how... Feels like your bracket the first day of the NCAA yeah. tournament where you're just like... Welp, that was fun. Thank you, 13 seed. <laughs> no, Chelsea are in 16th place uh, with a lot of other teams that also were unsuccessful on this opening day. Uh, the top six, as it stands, um, United and Tottenham have not played yet. So that puts Huddersfield Town at the top of wow. the table. Patrick Palmer. Stewart is pleased. Hey, oh, Man City, a bunch of bums in second. Arsenal <laughs> hanging out in third till they uh, slide back down to fourth, maybe even sixth. Oof. Burnley, though, giving them a shot of confidence right in the jugular, Nick. I mean, they only have 37 more points to go. So uh, I think, you know, Bur- Burnley's goal this year is staying up, and, and they're. They're probably going to even struggle with that. All right. Well, it's good to go ahead and uh, wrap this a little bit longer than normal match preview. But how are you not going to when you have an opening? Match review, Brandon. We are in a match review stage. 37 more games till I hit my stride. So (laughs) with that being said, we're going to have another quick break. Uh, If you like going to London watching Chelsea play, you might want to stay tuned. Here we go. Yeah, so just a quick heads up, we did a survey with our partner XL Tours to kind of understand if we were planning a trip or trips this coming season, what that might look like. We have closed off the survey. Thank you to everyone who participated, gave us some really helpful information, and we're going to be publishing the results of that survey here in the next week or so. So stick around for that, and thank you for helping us out. All right, we, as always, got some fantastic questions from all of you fans. We really appreciate it. Again, if you would like to get your question answered on the pod, feel free to email uh, or you can contact us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, probably. Smoke signal, probably. uh, Ravens, for those who listen to Game of Thrones. Mm. Watch Game of Thrones. Good call. Well, we got an email from a, a first-time emailer, Alan. Uh, came up with something that I thought was really interesting. I hadn't really thought of, but I thought it was a really good shout. So he says, I am curious why we have not landed any players that Conte has worked with in the past. There have been some flattering comments from guys like Andrea Pirlo and Gianluigi Buffon, but nobody seems to have ever insisted on coming to play for him again. Bonucci, Verratti, Vidal, etc. Mourinho has his critics, but it seems like many players jump at the chance to return and play with him. This is pretty interesting. Maybe it's just because he said Pirlo and Buffon, those dudes are twilighting right now, and uh, he appreciates the older players. But I thought it was a pretty good link. You know, it's true. Modic went back to United with Mourinho. Modic said he was humiliated as a man when he came on as a second half sub and sub 20 minutes later. Yet, he said he jumped at the opportunity to play with him again. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there, but is there anything that maybe stands out to you, Nick, on this? I think that when you look at the players, either with the Italian national team or with Juve, or you know, if you want to go back to Siena, um, that Antonio Conte's worked with, a lot of those Italian players love to play and live and work in Italy. And 
England compared to Italy, climate-wise, lifestyle-wise, is just a different beast. And I could understand with Antonio Conte's work rate and work ethic and consistent harping and constant motivation, constant polishing, that that would be a bit of a grind for a player. And I think it's it's like a cauldron, Dan, that you get through it and maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to run those extra laps with him anymore. Yeah, the the biggest thing that probably presents a challenge for you know Conte getting reconnected with a couple of these players is probably more club policy around those who've aged into their twilight of play, so to speak. Thirty plus, you get a one year deal, and even someone like Lorente right now, who's playing you know playing for Swansea, out injured currently. That's been the rumored name that's circulated a bit around, potentially as a backup striker option. And I, uh, would the board offer him a two-year deal? That would go completely in the face of what they've kind of done with even John Terry. Right. So I, I don't necessarily see the matchup kind of occurring. But, you know, that's that's where, you know, Conte now is an opportunity to develop those relationships with you know, maybe one or two new players who are currently at Chelsea, like Eden Hazard. Alvaro Morata. I mean, I think... That you hear Conte's uh, comments on Morata, not match fit, you know, has a lot to learn, gonna grow a lot. He loves Morata. He straight up loves him, and I think is protecting him from the absurd expectations that are going to be weighed upon him as kind of Chelsea's number nine. And uh, you know, I think nobody was happier uh, for Alvaro Morata today than Antonio Conte. And I think Murata wants to make him proud, too. We'll see where that kind of relationship goes in the future. Obviously, a lot of questions coming in all over about Murata specifically. Um, you know, Justin on Facebook saying that Murata looks extremely creative coming on. Specifically talking about that head flick assist. Uh, Timothy J. Penny says that, you know, with all the bad that there was today, we can at least take the fact that Murata looks to be class. And on another day, we could have won it, it continues to go on, Dan. I mean, it, we had this talk, right? We got a couple of tweets that people were like, oh, we should have played Murata from the beginning. A, hindsight's twenty twenty. We always know that. Mm-hmm. But no one ever said that we're not starting Murata because he's not as good as Mishi. It's purely a fitness and a tactics reason he didn't. Because when he came on, you better believe it, he looked damn good. Well, well and Mishi earned the right to start Agreed. based upon his preseason performances. I think it's, you know, our, our memories are not that short to not think about three outside the, the community shield, the preseason matches Mishi played in, he played extremely well. He scored goals. He, you know, assisted in play. And I think that he had earned a right to start. And the challenge with lineup selection is it's easy to look back at a lineup in hindsight, knowing how the game unfolded. It's not easy looking at going into the game and then saying, well, I hope you have to, there's a lot of hope with the lineup. And, you know, unfortunately in this scenario, like most of the lineup was already selected. And I mean, I don't know about you. I saw Alvaro Marta, Marta try to play winger as not an experiment. I want to see repeated again nope. anytime soon. No, no. I, I mean, he is a number nine. He, we're going to fit him in. Be patient. Yeah. Like, Diego Costa, I think, spoiled us all by coming in and just tearing up the league his first six games. In the Premier League, that is a rare thing. 
and and even Didier Drogba, King Didier, took a long time to get acclimated. Let's give this guy his his due when he does good stuff and, and realize that he's still growing as a player. He's only 24, and he hasn't played that much first-team football as a starter. He's going to do great. Let's go. All right. Uh, a good question from Aldemaro asking on Facebook says, is there another player who can be so solid or two to three times per season catastrophically awful <laughs> as our captain leader, Lunger? Ooh. Obviously, he's talking about Cahill and the fact that Remember last season, even at the beginning, it was own goal Cahill. It, you know, oh. the bad pass, the Swansea. Uh, it just it started off rocky. The three four three clicked for him as well, and he was unbelievably dependable. Even chipped in a bunch of goals for us. Uh, he's kind of on a bit of a rocky start again. Maybe he's just a slow start kind of a guy. I I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would say this um, Cahill has always had a bit of a, a reckless streak in the tackle. I, I think today's was just – I don't think there was anything in that, personally. I don't think he meant to break someone's leg. I don't think there was anything egregious there. I think he just misplaced his initial touch and tried to retrieve it through another player. <laughs> okay, It was not his best moment. I personally don't even equate that moment to be as bad as the back pass that he gave Swansea last year to even it up. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, the lunges and the tackles and a referee's perception of a card, you can forgive. The back pass to Swansea, I I had a hard time getting over personally. Remember when he used to dive and like fish out of water, try to like throw his body <laughs> in front of shots all the time. He's cut that out, thankfully. That's good, yeah. Because I get like you're trying to put max effort and like man for the cause. You're creating more harm than good. On the plus side, though, in the Community Shield, he was our best defender by far. Um, and I think put in a lot of important blocks and is never afraid to throw himself in front of a ball. You have to take the good with the bad. And there's, I, I think with Cahill, there's plenty more good, Dan, than there's bad. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, um, he has mistakes in him. But... He's more times, way more times than not reliable. Uh, Gregory Facebook says, what are your thoughts on tracksuit Conte? Last year, <laughs> he wore a suit to each match, at least from what he can recall. I think maybe a couple of cup matches, some yeah. things like that. He he relaxed a little bit, let the hair down. But uh, he goes on to say, and so far, Conte appears he can't be bothered. I understand he may not be pleased with Chelsea's board, et cetera, but still, how can someone show positivity and grit? Dan, do you think... That Conte is leaving the pajamas on, not shaving, and wearing a hat because he's pissed at the board. Oh, he saw those locks today. He wasn't. He wasn't wearing a hat. Um, I, maybe he just likes the the Nike line as much as we do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Nike stuff is comfy, and, and it's not like you know a plug. We that was in the first part of the pro, you know promos. I, I think generally they're you know a little bit more comfortable and. You know, depending upon the weather, it might be a better fit. I mean, the, look, I always like seeing the manager in a suit. I, I think I, it's a super classy and awesome thing. Especially for an Italian manager who looks thing. that good in a suit. I mean, Th- There was on. also, uh, what was it, Cudicini had the interview where he talked about how in the first game when Conte went crazy and jumped in the crowd that he ripped his trousers because he went crazy. And, and so maybe this is a little bit of just thinking about, hey, we might score some goals today. I'm going to get crazy in that crowd. 
better put on my Nike tracksuit because that thing won't rip the same way a nice pair of designer pants might. Can can we get these? Uh, can we get this man some some slacks that maybe stretch a little? A little, and a- he's a little able, athleisure. Well, yeah, let's. You know, I'm not saying Lululemon style pants here, but I mean, hey, uh, it could be a sponsorship opportunity. We should just forward that to the board. Get a nice little cool ten mil. <laughs> I, I think what people are freaking out about here, Brandon, is that when Mourinho went sour, he stopped wearing a suit. He stopped looking good, and he went full tracksuit. Yeah. And it it seemed to, it seemed to us at the time like, all right, well, he's not as dialed in. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't putting the effort in personally. So why you know why should his players? I'm ho- I'm hoping we see Conte in a tracksuit soon. Let's sign him some players. Tracksuit or suit 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 suit. Sorry, whoops. No, you're good. No, he wants him in the zoot suit. Zoot 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 suit. Right. Collier Dave asked uh, kind of the same thing. Does this feel as bad as the Mourinho season? We touched on it. I mean, we don't because there's not nearly as much negativity. Players didn't come in to the season fat and out of shape and slow. The guys look fit Pink and trim. Fit. Yeah, yeah, it's just there's not enough of them. So I would say, don't <laughs> worry, Dave. It's a little bit different. It's, it's more like the Jon Snow unsheathing the sword against the army right now. We, we need more Jon Snows in there. So you're saying we need the Knights of the Vale to come in and rescue us. That would certainly be welcome. There you go. It's getting heavy, Game of Thrones, the last <laughs> few episodes. We're getting Jones. Come on. At Matthew Ridley asks... Uh, it will be echoed all season, but why did the club acquiesce so easily to Ake, Chalaba, Matic, Traore asking to leave? I know why, but why? Now, that, that was his question. I don't know why. I mean, Matic blows my mind. Chalaba, Ake. I think Ake, I said that, you know, we did the keep sell loan. They were going to sell Ake, and I thought we would get good money for him, and it would be fine. And it was. Uh, but Triore, he just didn't seem he was going to get the minutes. Same with Chalaba. I mean, I, it's got to be as simple as that to me. Is yeah. like you think, you know, okay, you know, honestly, they probably thought they would replace them by now. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's that's what it is. I mean, knowing what we know today with Sesk and in a match he had, boy, it would be nice to have Matic as an option. <laughs> and this is why. This is why Juve doesn't sell players until they buy the player to replace them in that position. That's why it's smart. Because, boy, midfielder has a red card. Great. Replace him with another midfielder that you can play immediately. Right now, we don't have that flexibility. We don't. And, Dan, that is exactly what um, (laughs) Scott Wildcat was talking about as well as um, who else had that? I don't know. Someone else was asking about that. The fact that Susk is out. We're unavailable next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, Dan Henderlong was saying the same thing. What are realistic options? We, like, spent quite a bit of time brainstorming this today. Like, A, we don't have any other midfield options. We literally don't unless you slot Boga back in there. But he's not a center mid. So what do we come up with? Well, you, you could put Kyle Scott in. Yep. Premier League debut Tottenham at Wembley. <laughs> you also could, you know, and you could put Luis forward. You could, which then would give you a back line of Aspilicueta, Rudiger, uh, you know, and you know uh, that would be a little bit more Christensen. Christensen. Yeah, Christensen that would yeah. feel better than potentially some of the other options. But then you also don't have center back depth because Cahill is also suspended. Um, you do get Moses back, so the wing back slot is kind of short you up. You have one Fakayo Tamori, sir. 
Don't underestimate that man. Again, it was a youth player of the year. Huge debut for him. We do have a long shot, Nick, from at Chelsea underscore phobia. And I don't know why you have a phobia of Chelsea, but he's got ideas. He's afraid of winning too much. (laughs) Yeah, we all are. Um, He he had the tweet of the day, in my opinion. Uh, He said, can a manager... A manager who was a legendary midfielder 10 years ago file a request to feature in a Premier League game asking for a friend. Who, Dan, could he be referring to here? I think if Pep Guardiola could have found a way already, <laughs> he would have tried. Giggs and did, right? Yeah, Con- Giggs. Conte, Conte would not have been the first to, to do so. Giggs has put himself in when he was manager <laughs> interim. I yeah. think I think we got I think we got options here, guys. We we didn't think outside of the box it, enough. If you were wondering if Antonio Conte was sending messages to the board by his appearance, if he subs himself into the game, then you know he's sending a message to the board. The, the question is, does he make more than as a player than he would as a manager? Yeah, That's a real question. Absolutely not. He would not. He makes a ton as a manager deservedly. All right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up again. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. Keep them coming, actually. If uh, you want to make sure your question gets featured, remember, hit up our Patreon page. We have a couple really cool rewards there. One of them is getting your message answered on the pod. All right, we're going to take our last break, and then we have a fun update talking about Loney's youth players and the women's team. Chelsea ladies, here we go. Hey guys, just a really quick message. Uh, you know, we are sponsored by World Soccer Shop. If you could do us a favor, go follow them on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. That would help us out tremendously. They do post their specials. They do post new merch. Uh, they have some pretty creative uh, content series that they're running right now on Instagram stories. So go check them out. Do us a favor. Support our show. Boom. Boom. Shaka Laka. All right, guys. We... We want to do a better job of covering all things Chelsea. Obviously, the men's first team is the kind of gold medal, most popular team. Everyone, you know, they've been around the longest, to be fair. The club was founded on this team. But Chelsea have a a lone army, which it is so affectionately called. We have wildly successful youth teams, and we have a wildly successful women's team. And so we think that... It is important that we, you know, cover that stuff. So every now and then we're going to plug in these things, especially when things happen, just to kind of keep us all on the same, you know, same page and make sure that we are really building the Chelsea community because the club is much more than just one team. So with that being said, um, the last time we went to London, Nick, we were lucky enough to meet Emma Hayes, MBE, their manager. We got to go to Cobham and watch the ladies train. They tackle, they mm-hmm. go hard, they throw it down. Uh, we got to meet some of them. Obviously, Crystal Dunn was brilliant to talk to, being an American player over there. Uh, it was just all around awesome to watch. So, you know, yeah. shout out to the ladies. 100%. Shout out to the ladies. Uh, we also got to tour Cobham a little bit too and to see the under eights, the under tens, you know all the different levels that Chelsea has invested so heavily in uh, to kind of bring up, you know, as a part of the community as well. So 
Um, Dan, I think we're going to start with the youth team covering the under 18s for this. Yeah, Jody Morris's side, uh, you know, youth treble winners, as it were, last season. They had uh, done the business. They are quite good. They are quite, quite good. Uh, fantastic side. They had that first uh, 2 0 win over Aston Villa to start their season. Boom. Uh, it was actually the only team that they did not beat last season uh, during some of fantastic runs. And uh, Charlie Brown, not the peanut, and George <laughs> McCarron both. Scored goals. Josh McEachern, man. Josh's younger brother. Yep, younger brother. So just like Arya Stark, they have marked them off the list. And uh, so they're on to the the perfect season, Dan, right? Yeah. Then we also saw a nil-nil draw for the development squad, who uh, it's Premier League 2, essentially, is what it's also referred to by now. And uh, they drew against City. So it was, uh, you know, kind of just a little flat affair. No, No goals, no action. Yeah, unfortunate, but... Brandon, let's move on to the lone players. You know, the the I think these are the players that we're most excited to kind of see grow and hopefully come back to Chelsea bigger, stronger, and better than before. Well, plus they're Premier League loans too this season. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. That's a big step up. We've normally seen the Vitesse, the Vitesse loan, <laughs> your Greece loan every now and then. Uh, you know, Spain, yeah, yeah. yeah. Batiste, yeah. even even you know. League League One and, and things like that, championship. We have Premier League, and this is really exciting. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, we got to talk about him. Crystal Palace got slammed 3-0 today, and the only thing that Crystal Palace fans could talk about today was Ruben. He was by far the standout player for them. He played a full 90 right away. Suck it, stamina argument. He just shut that door. Uh, but he won 100% of his tackles, which I think were about six. Okay, yep. so way higher than the average. He had a 94% pass accuracy. He was fouled six times. He had five take-ons and three interceptions. Uh, as far as the stats went for Crystal Palace, he was their man of the match today all around. I think the other exciting thing was that Crystal Palace fans were tweeting, um, I really hope that there's no recall on the loan <laughs> We should buy him permanently, and I think that's exciting to see. He's going to have a real, genuine opportunity if he can take this and build upon this match today. If he gets 37 games, this this could be a potential midfield solve for Chelsea in the next season or two. Yeah, and it's nice to know that DeBoer really rates him. Um, So he has a you know as long as he stays fit and contributes to the team, he has a good chance of playing a lot this season. Yeah, I mean he wasn't the only one. Almost all these guys started as well. They showed up to these teams in a short amount of time, dominated it, and are in the starting lineup. Next one we have is Tammy Nick, obviously, at Swansea, another former Chelsea connection with the manager there. A 0-0 draw, though, but again, he got 71 minutes. First time being on a Premier League squad, and he starts, plays 71 minutes. Thank you, Mr. Clement. He didn't score, but I think it was uh, equally impressive. You know, it's a nil-nil draw against a pretty tough Southampton team. I mean, Southampton have been pretty gritty. Uh, you know, definitely top ten, top eight in the table in the last few seasons. So, um, I think, I think he, you know, saw that. You know, there was some frustrations going around, but I think, you know, as a defensive unit, Swansea 
has to keep teams out to have a chance to to stay up in the league. They barely survived last year. So, you know, he may not have the most free-flowing operation to work with here, Dan. Yeah. I think the other thing is that if Sigerson does leave, I think that would be a big blow just the distribution and assisting Tammy kind of in building his Premier League career and credentials. But, you know, Clement rated him very highly, you know, did kind of highlight that he had a chance that he could have taken the first half. And, you know, that you know, ultimately he, he felt, you know, that he's really valued there. So, I mean, I think Tammy's goals will come soon, uh, not a matter of uh, if but when. Right. I think the next one, Brandon, is Izzy Brown, uh, who we saw start for Brighton today in their Premier League opener against Man City at home. All the all the excitement. And unfortunately, it looked like he went out in the first half with maybe a hamstring, which is a super bummer for him. I know that he was... You know, he obviously transitioned last year from Huddersfield to Brighton. Uh, you know, a lot of expectations around him as a young kind of uh, forward-thinking player. Yeah, again, broke into another Premier League squad. Really unlucky to go down with AZ. I mean, he's holding the back of his leg. That is hamstring all day. Uh, we'll have to see how bad it was. We'll do the scan, look, see what grade it is and everything. But uh, the fact that he is first on the team sheet when it comes to midfield really really exciting stuff to see i mean this is a big one for izzy i think make or break he is ready to be sold now that he's a can establish himself as a premier league player or can he make a big enough jump this season that conte says hey we're bringing you back so i think for him maybe more so than some of the other guys i think casey palmer kind of falls in this too whereas like tammy abraham and ruben loftus cheek those are definitely ones are going to keep close to the chest these guys are kind of starting to drift away. They've been on a few loans. You know, it's, they're getting close to making a Both decision. still very young, though. Very Absolutely. young. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of that, Casey Palmer uh, was a part of the 3-0 win for Huddersfield. Played 72 minutes. Uh, he had a shot on goal. Took someone on. Pass accuracy was not that great. And he had a tackle. But to me, that just shows that he was everywhere. Did a little bit of everything. Was a very good box-to-box utility midfielder. Someone who I have already forgotten is on our lone or army now, Dan, is Kurt Happy Zuma. Yeah, he was happy for uh, most part of the game, probably not for the loss against Everton. Uh, ultimately, 70% pass accuracy, seven clearances, two blocks, one interception, uh, one uh, very, very foolish back pass that made him look uh, quite exposed. But, you know, I think it's good to see Zuma back and actually receiving a full 90 minutes. I mean, he's a man who needs time to recover from what was a catastrophic injury for him. He didn't look the same last season when we had a chance to see him play for Chelsea. And it's going to be really nice to see if he can develop uh, under Mark Hughes at Stoke. The most important thing is he's playing on the right side of a three back um, and getting experience in a position where I think if, if he were to come back at Chelsea, he would be that position. I mean, you know, flat out, that's just kind of where he's at. So good to see him get that. Hopefully he gets a whole year of experience there and see what happens. But like you said, Dan, he makes that lazy, sloppy, inaccurate pass, whatever it may be at Chelsea, he's done, right? Like he just lost a month potentially until he has to build up enough credit to be put back in. Mm-hmm. Stokes, they need him, so they're going to accept his growing pains. And that is exactly what all of these guys on these Premier League teams need. 
Next up, we do have five loans in the championship. I apologize. I'm laughing because I just reread the Thomas Callis. Oh, boy. Re- rundown on you that one. You thought Gary Cahill getting a red card <laughs> in the 14th minute was early. Was fast. Thomas Callis has you beat. He's trying to echo that Steven Gerrard red card in under 15 oh, seconds man. or less. Uh, 30 seconds, Thomas Callis off with a horrific challenge. <laughs> but Paisan scored a goal in that match, so we got to see you know a couple of nice uh, you know championship performances from some Lonies too. Well, I can say we we all ate some some lovely curry in Fulham and met met a wonderful Fulham fan. Uh, they, they love their team. You know, it's close to Chelsea in proximity. You know, you kind of have a soft spot in your heart for for these uh, for these players, Callis and Piazon. So hopefully they do well and are able to uh, come up to the Premier League next year. So two more things: Piazon had an absolute rip of a goal. Uh, Collis, it wasn't a terrible tackle. He was just the last man in defense, yep. pulled the guy down. Took like one for the team. It, it was Ish. bad. Uh, Michael Hector also got his minutes in as well. Ola Ana had an assist uh, over at Hull. So 4-1. What up, what up? Uh, Abramovich's buddy Slutsky over there, you know, maybe making sure to keep Is him in. Is it Slutsky or Slutsky? That's a really good Until question. Until I'm told differently, I will continue with my pronunciation. <laughs> and then Jay De Silva also getting minutes. But that is a wrap on the lone player. So we're going to go ahead and polish off this you know, first pod, just like Pedro and Hazard polished off the trophy as they brought it out to remind everyone before we... Oh, hashtag Chelsea champions. Before we fooled them into thinking we were champions last season. Um, Spurs. We, obviously, we need to just touch on this. It's a week out. we got a lot of time until Man. then. We're going to be playing at Wembley, um, which is where Spurs are renting a ground for a little while. It is not their home. It will be uh, on August 19th coming up here. So as of recording, we have no idea what the Spurs result is against Newcastle. I'm sure we could all try to predict it and probably be right. But who knows? Chelsea Burnley, am I right? Yep. Well, I would say a lot of the top teams this weekend have struggled. Um, Even City... You know, we, we saw 60 minutes of their match against Brighton. They struggled to score. So, um, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, um, City all struggled. Let's hope that Spurs struggle as well. Um, this is a massive match to be this early in the season. You know, we we struggled with Spurs last year. Home and away split. Um, we you, haven't You know replaced. where we didn't struggle against them, though, Nick? Where? In the FA Cup semifinal. Where was that held again? At- Wembley. Oh, fun fact about that. That's good. And, and yeah. you know who didn't start that match? Who didn't? And Hazard. Hmm. You know who did start that match? Who started that match? Mishi Batshuayi. Fun fact. You know, there, there's some similarities here that I'm liking. Some parallels <laughs> that we can start to draw. Well, there's more parallels in the fact that neither team has really replaced or, you know, sold off players that need to be uh spurs i think are getting close to signing their first player this summer um like these lineups are gonna be tricky because yep. uh i think um trippier well, Kyle walker outsold 50 million pounds trippier stolen in a moon boot Danny rose who the hell knows what's gonna happen with he's Danny a rose. radio career now he's oh. in the new he's in the gossip columns in the newspapers cool good for him uh, yeah, the lineup's going to be different. Uh, at Nathan or at N Nathan Allen twenty tweeted says, "How do you think we should line up against a Spurs team whose home record is 
horrible at Wembley. I mean, it's a bit of a toss-up. Depending on how this match goes tomorrow uh, before we record, um, we'll see how they do, but you have to assume that they're going to feel way better than us going into this match, even though it's not their home-home. It is on paper. Therefore, it is still a bit of an advantage, and I think that that that's why. So, Dan, projected lineup time. I mean, what do you think? Man, oof. well, when we sign Danny Drinkwater in a couple days, and he slots in next to N'Golo Conte to launch another Premier League title championship drive. Um, no, I, mean, I think it would make sense for if we're doing the three four three, which I think the biggest thing is we're assuming three four three. That's what the personnel that we have left dictates that we have to do. We have left. I mean, if if that's the case, then you're saying, I think Murata's got to start. I mean, that's the thing next to a Boga, next to a Willian. I think you hope Pedro starts Um, as much as we're hashtag Bogang. You know, I I would love Pedro to to whip out one of his patented curlers. I, I think there's also the benefit to having Moses back, Alonzo, you know, Conte. I think really it's that other midfield spot and David Luis is probably the answer there. If we're going to put anyone in there. Yep. I agree. I mean, I think that Kyle Scott cannot possibly go to Wembley as a starter in midfield. He's literally the only backup that we'd have. If David Luis starts, we do have three capable center backs. Uh, you know, if one of them goes out, David Luis can come in and Kyle Scott can play in midfield if, if necessary, or, you know, Boga could come in. We literally don't have the the manpower right now to play a four back with a midfield of three. Now, I think one of the comments that Antonio Conte made after the match that was most uh, enlightening to us is that he is starting to think about 10 men lineups uh, to, to compensate for the red cards that are happening. So with 10 men, you know, we can maybe do some damage here, but uh, he obviously said that in jest. So, uh, you know, I think that's we, we 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 lost a bunch of players. We've only replaced four of the eleven players that we've sold since January, which is a huge problem. And then we lost two more of our eligible players to red cards. So we literally have eleven first team quality players in the squad right now. You know, maybe 13. Here's the thing, and this might sound stupid, but doesn't this sound like the part in a movie (laughs) where they've been forced into a corner and you're now in a really, really crappy scenario and ultimately it galvanizes, you know, the, the survivors or the warriors or the combatants, the soldiers to go out and be victorious in the final leg of the movie, like this could this could be the thing where where I, I mean, if I, you're you know Tenny Conte oh, this whole week, you are eleven men. You are the eleven men who are going to be on the pitch for ninety minutes. I'm not letting you come off there with you know, unless you are dead without a win. They're dead. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, look, look. Brandon, Brandon just Brandon just killed Dan's the stare. Let me paint a picture of the room for you really quick. Brandon's looking at Dan like, "What? Wait, what? What are you talking about?" And then just the dream was up in the air, and it was like Brandon the Archer just here comes the Alamo. <laughs> so, 
all things being said, Brandon, is there any chance, you know, like let's look at the keys to Chelsea winning or possibly getting a draw out of this match. Is there any chance that Chelsea can do so? So obviously Erickson on the right side of the box, finding Ali Deli Ali on the back post. We don't want that. Uh, we don't want to get overrun a midfield, which I think is going to be really hard again. <laughs> yep. Um, because we just talked about how weak and fragile our midfield is. Uh, maybe scoring a gold or two will help, but realistically, we need to answer this question, Dan, before we can get to the true heart of the problem. <laughs> again, at Chelsea underscore phobia, stepping up big Killed it with for this. questions this week. Yeah, I mean, hey, just five star to you. How many Kyle Scotts will fit inside one of one Wanyama? If that's our midfield versus Spurs, how deep in doo-doo are we? At least one in each thigh. Yeah, I mean, have you seen a, a Wanyama? It's a creature, let me tell you. Yeah, it's, it's very philosophical, right? You know, <laughs> I mean, Kyle Scott is, is an entity, as a human, as a consciousness, and, and Wanyama, who, who literally is like a gravity well in mm. that midfield who is pulling in all all light, He's all a essence of matter. Yep. And in that point, I, I would say it's an infinite amount of mm. Kyle Scotts who fit inside uh, the Galactus that is Wanyama. Uh, poor Kyle Scott, man. Uh, look, he he should be playing in Premier League too. Just enjoying life, making assists. He's a creative midfielder. He, Kyle Scott does not die for this, you know. Like let let's give the kid some time. Um, I I hope I hope that David Luiz is up to the challenge, and I think that's what we really have to look for. Uh, you saw today maybe a little bit of David Luiz uh, dark side coming back. You've seen the Kermit meme where where hooded Kermit is is all about making bad decisions. David Luiz had a little bit of that comeback today, and I think you know, hopefully, him and Wanyama are able to cancel each other out so that Ngolo can make his uh, make his dreams come true. Well, we are more than happy to take your feedback as all of you are listening to this. Let us know what Chelsea need to do to beat Tottenham, and most importantly, how are they going to line up, or at least what are our options, right? We obviously don't know, but we need some creative brainstorming around this. Options are limited. (laughs) Very, very limited. Uh, But I think with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I know it's a longer pod than usual, but guys, girls, women, children, everyone, this is the first match of the season. Like... With the amount of things that happened, we weren't going to gloss over anything and skip it. So we thank you for listening to this point. We're going to go ahead and do our final thoughts and wrap this one up. So uh, Nick, the gracious host, what would you like to say? Hostess with the mostess, perhaps. Um, yeah, just want to thank these guys for being here this weekend. So the, the purpose of us all getting together is we, we did our second annual planning summit for the year. What that means to you is that we're planning bigger, better, more efficient ways to get content to your earballs, to your eyeballs as soon as humanly possible. Uh, I think we, we made a lot of progress this weekend, and we'll hopefully have some exciting updates to share soon. So stay tuned. Yeah, we appreciate it. Your hospitality has been most welcomed. Uh, Dan, besides losing to Nick in penalties just so you can stay here another night, what do you have? <laughs> yeah, Brandon, it wasn't so long ago that there was a bonus round of foot golf and if you check out our instagram stories nick cuts it off in the end of it (laughs) 
But the real life moment did feature a Drogba esque <laughs> knee slide uh. to flop on the ground worm by myself after forcing you to buy us a round of beers. And that is a moment of this weekend that I will treasure for So for those who don't know, we played foot golf and there was a bonus hole. Brandon killed us in the regular round. Absolutely destroyed us. Joe Tweeds has his answer. We 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 played a bonus round or a bonus hole though, and the scenic, you know, kind of huge drop off and Brandon lost to both Dan and I somehow. We're not sure how Dan and I both made par. Brandon, bogey. I paid up. I settled my debts as I always do. Lannisters always settle their debts. Again, not so gracious in that moment, you two. But <laughs> I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up again. Uh, we've been working hard all weekend uh, on the podcast, making some really exciting stuff happen for you guys, I mean, not us at all. It's uh, all about trying to make sure we can get the best thing out there to all. So keep us posted. Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us, email us. We would love to chat with you all. And until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, covering everything related to Chelsea FC. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to submit your questions. And if you like this episode, a five-star review in the iTunes store would help other Chelsea fans find us.